The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us this week. I apparently am broadcasting live from inside a potato. Not really sure why that's happening, but... We battle through as we always do. Obviously, there's just so much going on in the news cycle right now that didn't really know how to organize the show. So we figured, you know what? Let's turn the programming over to you, our wonderful viewers, our wonderful listeners, for a special Q&A edition of BTL. And joining me in this venture, Mr. Hot Take himself, the man who co-hosts No Bets Bard. I believe a, a tremendous episode of Damn They Were Good is about to drop later on today. Let us say hello to Mr. Jed Mishu. Hello, Jed. How are you on this lovely Thursday? Hey, buddy. Some have said that this episode of Damn is the best episode of Damn. And uh, we, we believe so. So you should go check it out. It's great. Uh, I think it drops later this afternoon. So, yeah. Robert Glenn Lawler, ladies and gentlemen, the reason for whom we made this show in general. So, yeah, excited to talk about. Apparently, I went to bed last night and a thousand things happened. So happy to get into it. Yeah, that's what typically happens. So let's go into this thing. Let's go to you guys because we have main events that have fallen apart. One fighter needing a new opponent. We had a new main event announced. We had the return of one of the rising stars announced against a fighter who was supposed to compete next week. All sorts of craziness going on. So our wonderful producer, E. Casey Lydon, is going to pop up the questions and we will respond. There he is as such. And hopefully my video quality will improve. I don't know why my internet's flying right now, but Casey, <clears throat> excuse me, what do we got here? What do the peeps want to talk about? All right. 
first of all, Mike, I just want to tell people you are actually pixelated in real in real life. This, you're like Bigfoot. You're just kind of you're, yeah, you're this this is blurry just... mammoth in the background. What if Bigfoot is blurry? <laughs> Thanks, Mitch Hedberg. Uh, so there's Hedberg. like there's like a little I, there's like a little, I got you, Casey. I saw you. There's like a little screen that's below that I could see myself on, and it's like clear as a bell. So I don't really understand what's going on. Yeah. But well, I'm clear. Jed's clear. You're the only one that's not clear. So I think I'm just saying. Yeah. It's, 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 it's one thing. Is numbers <laughs> numbers don't lie. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> it right. It's not numbers one thing. It's another. Only possible explanation. <laughs> yes. All right. So what's going on in the in the wonderful world? Joseph Boza, was Makachev versus Oliveira 2 a safe call to get tickets on sale? I thought the UFC would have picked either Darius Chandler or Frazeev. I know they're four through six in rankings, but Dubronk said he wasn't ready. So I don't think Darius would have been an option at all. I don't think Frazeev no. would have been an option at all. I think Chandler would have been option three. I think Volk was probably the first option, but with the elbow surgery he had this week, too risky, obviously, for that card and the money that they pay the UFC to come over. And, Jed, you and I have been saying for a little while now, at least I, I know I've talked about this on Heck of a Morning, Oliver saying I'm not going to be ready for until November or whatever. The dude may have just gotten a bag that's a little bit heavier. It might have been a nice little negotiation tactic. And as Walter White once said on Breaking Bad, is there anything in this world that isn't negotiable? And apparently Charles Oliveira fighting in October is one of those things that was negotiable. So do you, would you consider this a safe call at all? Are you surprised this happened after Oliveira did a bunch of media and said, eh, too soon for me? I'm not surprised. I thought that there's probably 50-50 chance that this happened just because Charles Oliveira is not in a position to negotiate. Like he's he's not the champ. He doesn't get to call the shots. He didn't even get to call the shots when he was the champ. They sort of made him fight Islam in Abu Dhabi at that point in time. And so, like, he it felt in in general like nah, it's probably him trying to make a play to maybe just not go to Abu Dhabi and do this back. But it's just he he doesn't have Drickus Duplessis leverage, which we'll get into later. Uh, I'm sure. He is not like a bona fide with a bullet number one contender. He is the number one contender. He's a former champion, and he just had a sensational performance in what is ostensibly was a a title eliminator. But this fight happened a year ago, so it's not like we got to do it immediately. Nobody else is on offer. They could pass him up for something else, for Michael Chandler, for hell. Let Leon, you know, let Islam do the Leon thing if they really want to do it. So he is at the at the mercy of the UFC. And I'm sure that they probably gave him, you know, plato plomo. They gave him a bit more money. And they said, if you don't take the bit more money to do this fight, you're going to have to fight somebody else to get a title shot. And that's just how that works. So yeah, I think this was probably the most likely scenario, though I was secretly holding out a, a, a hope that it would be the Michael Chandler fight, just because it would be really <laughs> funny if Michael Chandler never fought Conor McGregor. Yeah. Hey, listen, this is uh, – and I think Oliveira is at the mercy of the division too because if he had let this pass and Makachev fought Chandler or anybody else, the winner of Poirier Gaethje is probably a, next yeah. and probably jumps over him. So if he ever Not wanted to problem. get back to a rematch, yeah. if he ever wants to get back to Makachev, this is probably his only chance to do it. So, And he probably got a few more extra bucks to do it. So good on yeah. you, man. 
It's a very obvious business choice for him because a thousand percent. If he if he says no, I can't fight until November. They're like, cool. So in November, you're gonna fight uh, Armand Sarukian. <laughs> have fun with that, uh, and we will we'll have we'll have uh, Islam fight whoever, and his next fight will be against the BMF title winner. I don't care that you've beaten them both. Does doesn't matter, man. So like, yeah, this sort of feels like the most likely scenario is playing out. Um, and I'm just glad it did because the brief internet talking between various parties surrounding the, the Abu Dhabi card has been has been a tough hang. Yeah. Everybody's running from everybody except for no one is running because they're all professional fist fighters. And homie's not running from you. He beat you, Volk can deal with it (laughs) he actually has specifically said on multiple occasions we will fight again which he super didn't have to like it's nobody's running from anyone in this sport yeah just stop using that as the go-to line you freaking idiots man (laughs) (laughs) i like how we use um constantly i feel like for the past few months maybe even a couple years when guys don't take fights that the UFC wants, they go, well, now you have to fight Sarukian. That's like, yeah, <laughs> dude, the worst take this fight. Outcome. Yeah. He's like, You're all right, probably all right, going to lose. It's going to suck for you. <laughs> I'll take That's a title good. fight. I won't fight Sarukian. I got it. I got it. <laughs> all right. Do, do, do. Uh, man, but what if, what if Oliver truly wasn't ready? It couldn't make this date. Would it, would it have been Leon? I think think Leon would have had a shot at it. What do you think? They haven't made Leon Colby yet. You could make Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Dude, that that fight's going to happen in November. It's just going to happen in November. It makes no Uh, sense to throw Leon in Abu Dhabi when Colby. No, no. If if Oliver wasn't ready, if Oliver was not, it wasn't wasn't a give give me a bigger bag thing. It was like, I seriously can't fight that day. If Oliver's not ready, can't be Darius. Maybe Chandler. Obviously, Chandler. It's it's Chandler. Chandler Chandler. is the inside track. I just Chandler might be dumb enough to be like, no, I am (laughs) waiting for Connor. Is it a smaller? Is it a smaller bag facing uh, Islam over over McGregor? I don't know. It might actually be worth more money facing Islam directly, but it's not worth the same level of clout. Yeah, that's what that's what I would think too. Has its own. All right. So I, I don't know. It's uh we I mean shit. This this fight hadn't gone down yet. Who the hell knows what could happen between now and October? Like we might yeah. recircle the wagons into this. Yeah. Like okay, well, is Volk okay from his elbow surgery? I don't think he's going to be, but maybe. Find out. How does Dubronx beat Makachev, Jed? Oh, super easy. Um, because. I don't know who the hell Makolchev is, but I assume he sucks at fighting because <laughs> I've never heard of him and I work in the sport for a living. So, I mean, Charles Oliveira is a damn good fighter. He's going to beat some random dude named Makolchev. Uh, he's not going to beat Islam Makachev if that's what the question was intending. We saw this fight. We saw it one year ago. Nothing substantive has changed in my mind to make me think I had supreme confidence in Islam going in, felt entirely vindicated coming out. Nothing has changed at all. This fight may be more competitive uh, because I do think Charles Oliveira is is a very smart fighter in that he learns lessons pretty quickly. Uh, We saw in the Makachev first fight, like 
he was sort of content to not fend off takedowns and just, all right, I'm going to try and play my game. And he realized pretty quickly that that was just not working for him at all. And so then when he got set up after, after that initial takedown and sort of grappling exchange, he was fighting that a lot more. So I think he will at least come into this knowing I really can't grapple with this dude. Like I can't be afraid to grapple with him because it's fist fighting. I have to be prepared for everything, but I can't go to my like, Oh, I'll just fall over and it'll be okay because I'm so scary down there. I won't work at all. And so he's going to have some new tricks. going to have, he's going to fight, going to contest the fight in a much more advantageous way for himself. He's, he's just boned any way it goes, man. Like he's super dangerous. Cool. Is the Makachev is statistically the greatest defensive fighter in the history of the sport. He's a very good defensive fighter. He can, as we saw, beat him on the feet if it's re- required. What does everybody say about uh, Alexander Volkanovsky? He's like, he's amazing at everything. He's an incredible striker who outboxed Max Holloway for 50 minutes or whatever their total combined fight time is. Is the Makachev won the striking in that fight? Like he won the striking exchanges in that fight. He is just a huge problem for anybody trying to fist fight him, and Charles Oliveira especially so. Ten, I have ten fights. How many does? How many do you think Dubronx wins? They fought ten two. times. Two, two, maybe okay. three, somewhere two to three range. Yeah, I'm there. So, I mean, he just has like if you look at it that he really just has to high roll, like he has to have a good one because you can't discount that he is like a super dangerous dude and he hits really hard. And everybody can get caught and like maybe Islam has a bad day or he comes in injured. Like any of those things can happen, but 25, 30% would be the percent chance I have. I I give Charles to win this fight. It's just, it's as bad of a stylistic matchup as can exist for him. Here's a dude that I'm trying to think of a worse one. Honestly, I can't. I genuinely do not believe there. Here's a guy he can't really hurt on the feet. Um, like he can, but it's so low probability because Islam gets hit like four times a fight or something insanely low. And on the ground, none of his stuff works because you're not going to triangle Islam Akachev. <laughs> like that's, that's just a non-starter from the – so it is it is just as bad of a stylistic matchup as you can draw for him, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm just – yeah, I'm trying to – just picturing in my head. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. Do, 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 do. Let's get off this fight a bit. Oh, uh, man. I didn't think we'd get a question like this so early. Uh, what yeah. coming? What upcoming women's fight are you most excited about? Doesn't have to be a title fight. Ooh, I mean, I think... Th- Mike, you go first because I'm debating two of them. I got I to gotta solve for which one I want here. I mean, it's probably Grasso Shevchenko too. Um, but I am... But I'm very intrigued by Aaron Blanchfield, Tyler Santos as well. Ooh. And I know, like, yeah, and Manifioro, Rose Namajunas is interesting because she's trying to go to 125, and I have no idea what she's going to look like. I feel like she's going to be really small, and man, is just going to be so much bigger than her. But Blanchfield, Tyler Santos, there's a lot on the line in that fight. And if Aaron Blanchfield just goes out there and does to Tyler Santos what she's done to everybody else she's fought recently that just kind of locks up the fact that I think Aaron Blanchfield's going to be a champ and not just a champ, but a champ for a very long time. So yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that fight. I didn't think about that one. I'm not that it, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I, I think Aaron Blanchfield is the best fighter in this weight class and is going to have a very good night against Tyler Santos. So 
less intrigued by that one or, or excited about. Um, so the first one is the Shevchenko Grasso rematch, just because that's like a pretty important fight. And the first one we all, I particularly remember how that happened. Uh, but I don't think I can be the most excited for that one just because that fight really wasn't that fun until the end, um, which was obviously extremely like memorable. And it probably still won't be that sort of like, it's not going to be a barn burner because when does Valentina Shevchenko have super thrilling fights? It's not really part of, of what happens with her. So uh, I was going to say the one I'm the most uh, excited about is really just the one I'm the most interested in. And it is Menon Furo versus Rose Nami Yunus. Just because I want to see what this looks like. You know, Macy Barber came on the MMA hour this week and was like, I think Rose is too small. And I kind of think that that might be true. Like, I, I don't know that Menon Firo is going to be the one who really showcases that. But, like, I, I want to see what Rose looks like moving up a weight class. It's particularly interesting because she has two wins over the current strawweight champion. So moving up doesn't even feel necessary. Like, this is a choice and a pursuit for her. So I'm... It's certainly the most fascinating of them. And I will throw a shout out to Wiley Zhang and Amanda Lemos because both of those women are incredibly fun fighters. And that fight is probably going to be sick until Wiley Zhang wins it. So, yeah, let that's me, where I'm at. Let me ask you this. If Aaron Blanchfield does what you think she's going to do against Tyler Santos and Rose Namajunas beats Manon Fioro, is Aaron Blanchfield waiting longer for a title fight? Are they going right to Rose? I think Aaron Blanchfield's going to get the title fight if she if she runs over Tyler. If she like wins a tight splitty and Rose just blows the doors off Manon, then then Rose can certainly get that, but it will also depend on what what the Grasso Shevchenko fight ends up being because if Shevchenko wins, we're probably running a trilogy right back on that. Like that's probably how they'll settle that. So then everyone so then if that happens, we may just get Blanchfield Rose for the number 1 contender spot which is fine. Like it's, you know, it's a thing that has to happen. But uh, I would say that if, if Blanchfield does what I think she's going to do and wins convincingly, she's going to get the title fight over Rose. So if you're Manon, are you hoping that, are you the biggest Tyler Santos fan on the planet? If you're Manon Fioro, if Tyler wins and then Manon goes out and finishes Rose, they go to her. I don't know. It's kind of an interesting place adding Rose to this mix. Well, it's that's it, it. That's why I said it's the most interesting because the permutations here are a lot. Thing for Manon is I don't know that that's going to work out for her, just because if Tyla wins, then Tyla's in a pretty good position herself. You know, she's she has just beaten the hot young prospect, right? Like the person who's supposed to be coming up. She went hammer and tongs with Valentina Shevchenko, who may or may not be the champion, depending on how that all rolls out, and. Many people thought she deserved an immediate rematch there. So, like, if Shevchenko wins and they don't do Grasso 3, or even if Grasso wins, maybe it's like, well, Santos also should have beaten Shevchenko, so let's run it. So, I think Manon's fighting one more time regardless of what happens. If she beats Rose, maybe maybe that's just enough. Maybe that's just enough juice because Rose is such a name. But she's in a really tight spot here. She needs to impress against Rose, not just win. 25 is a good division. A lot of fun. A lot Sick of names. It was, it was always going to be the best division in women's MMA. Uh, you can argue whether it is that right now or not. I would say that it is, but it was always just going to take a couple of years because there were going to be a bunch of 115ers that were cutting too much and then a, 
whole ton of 135ers who were not really big enough to be a band of weight. And that's happened, and now 125 is arguably the best division of women's mixed martial arts. Yeah. Cool, cool. At the expense of band and weight, which is now awful. <laughs> the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The iconic voice. How is everyone planning to double screen next weekend's fights? The Spence Crawford pay-per-view starts early at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Well, I'll be doing the watch party, so I will probably have to miss Spence Crawford live, uh, unless well, we can perform it. some kind of magic. But what do you? What's your plan, Jed? Well, I'll be live blogging. So the main card for the, I assume we haven't really parsed that out, but I usually am doing that. So I'm going to guess I'm doing that. Uh, so I'm I have a two two screen setup that I will use. So I will put Spence Crawford on and. Hopefully, I will get to watch it sort of unencumbered, but I will you, be if, working, so I'll be forced to the, about, focus if more. If you were on off the, the clock, if you were off the clock, just at home Some, as a fan, you have two screens. The fights are going on pretty much the same time. What what gets the bigger screen, and what audio are you listening to? Uh, Spence Crawford gets the bigger screen for all of it until we get to the main event of the UFC. Uh, I love boxing, but I am a bigger MMA fan, and Poirier Gaethje is. There's nothing that I like. I, there are maybe two other fights that could be put together right now that I would rather see than this. So that gets that gets primacy all day. Uh, and that's not, like, and I 
I honestly am pretty interested in the Blahovich Pajeda fight, like in some of the other fights going on on this card. But Spence Crawford is that's as good of boxing as it gets, and A level boxing is some of the most compelling sports in the world. Yeah. Pereira Blahovich is a lot more interesting now since the last time we were here, isn't it? Is it? Why? What happened? Well, we don't have a champion right now. No champion to a fight. Oh, and they like. Then there was even that rumor that they were making this for the vacant belt, which they frankly should. Why not? Who the hell cares? It'd be fun as hell. Alex Pereira comes in and is a two division champion in like two years. Nothing would be hilarious. Uh, even off, though he's off, gonna, off he's gonna get out. worked. Yeah, think so? he, he's gonna get worked. I think Blahovich is about as bad of a matchup as you could ask for for him. Like at, at light heavyweight, like Blahovich is very defensively sound, particularly with kicks, mm-hmm. and he is a far superior grappler <laughs> to Alex Pereira. And uh, he's just gonna do the it's gonna be the Izzy fight, only probably much more aggressive grappling than against Izzy, who I think is a better defensive wrestler than Pereira. Yeah. It is in the it's gonna be in a big cage, so that would be a s- better for Pereira, but not big enough. <laughs> to it, it is it is but the problem with Pereira and like part of why I think he's a worse defensive wrestler than Izzy is he is much heavier stanced. Like he is much more of a plodding forward fighter than Izzy, who's a lot lighter on his feet, which makes him more agile for big cage and stuff. Like he's just going to be there to get taken down. And Blahovich is going to check all of his kicks because he's exceptionally good at, at defending kicks. And he's just going to grab him and tackle him and go from there. <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have a Brazilian teammate who has sparred many times with Mr. Prayer and he was talking about him. He was like, he's like, like technically he's not nothing really blows you away. He goes, he just he's just not afraid to get hit. And if he touches he you, my god, my god, it hurts. He boops. He, boops. he has he, he has the big boop. He yeah, he's got that boop. Yeah, big boop. Big <laughs> That's boop. all he said. He's like, he's got the yeah. He said he, in Brazilian, he got, he's got the boop. Yeah, he's got. It's it's the funniest thing to watch him fight because you can see it. Like I don't know nearly as much as you. I'm, I'm like he's not the most like technically refined dude, but he just boops you and then you fall out of the sky. Like Sean Strickland's a tough dude. Sean Strickland is a guy who we have seen get hit hard by big shots and not go down. Alex Pereira sent him into the multiverse with not even that hard of a punch. Like, it wasn't like a, a Tekken uppercut. It was just a boop, and John Strickland died. Like, this man is impossible. It's awesome. What is going to happen with Corey Sanhagen? So before all this other news came out about UFC 294, we confirmed a report from the Schmo Zone. Corey Sanhagen needs a new opponent for UFC Nashville. That event is happening in two and a half weeks. And he was supposed to fight Umar Namagamadoff. Umar's got some shoulder issues. He's out of the fight. And now we have to figure out who's going to fight Corey Sanhagen. As of now, the plan is to try to find somebody else. What are we going to do here, Jed? What is the plan here for Mr. Corey Sanhagen? I believe what we're going to do is we're going to have Jessica and Drudge fight Tatiana Suarez in the main event of UFC Nashville. And uh, Corey Sanhagen is... Not going to get busy. I think Corey Sandhagen is probably smart enough not to fight some like no-namer or whatever because of where he's at in his career. There have been rumors of a couple of other people out there, which would at least be fine, and maybe that's it. You know, Maybe you do get somebody like a Rob Font or something uh, to step in on, on short notice, but 
I don't know, man. Just you can also just run the Andrade Suarez fight. Like that's a a very relevant and important fight between highly ranked fighters. And Corey Sandhagen can wait for somebody else to to fight. So I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Here's what I am 100 percent sure about, Mike. I was going to go to this one. Nashville's not a very far drive to me. I was going to you know get my creds and go and do it just because like. Here's Umar's arrival. Like he he's gonna be a thing. Let's let's be there for it. And now I am probably not going to make the, the track up to Nash Vegas for this one. Cause the rest of that card, a bit of a tough hang. It's not awful, but if something falls out with Andrade Suarez, then I don't know who's main event in this thing. So Tanner Bozer, who I'm not sure the UFC wants to put a microphone in front of anymore. <laughs> so uh, I don't know who's doing it. I don't know if you guys saw that clip from James Lynch. If you haven't seen it, go on his Twitter and check that out because he just went banana and it was tremendous. So I think we're not going to see Tanner Bozer re-sign with the UFC after this fight. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, my, yeah. my professional opinion that make, is that makes me, Tanner that makes Bozer me will be in that, the PFL. Uh, that makes me sad that fighters – just saying how it is, saying what, saying the truth. That's talking. Yeah, that's saying bad yeah. things. So I think Rob Font would make a lot of sense. <laughs> I think Font would make a lot of sense here. However, the timing kind of stinks because Rob's supposed to fight two weeks later. So the timing actually works out, but the card's in Boston and the UFC hasn't been in Boston in four years. And we know how much it means to Rob to fight at the TD garden, the place where the Celtics and the Bruins have won championships and all that, the banners, everything like that means a lot to him. And he's got a tough opponent in Song Yudong. He's been preparing for, for a three round fight with Song Yudong. They're a very meticulous group over at the new England cartel. They have game plans. They handle things with a new England Patriots mentality. So the juice is going to have to be worth the squeeze for font to be like, eh, all right, I'll not fight in Boston and fight this other guy with a totally different style than Song Yudong. Let me throw another name out here, Jed, because as you know, you have to say the name I want. UFC 292 features several Bantamweight fights, and they ha- obviously we don't know what they are yet, but word on the street is that the two tough finale fights are going to happen on this card as well, so we have to figure out like who's going to fight who over the next four weeks during the Ultimate Fighter. There is a Bantamweight fight on the card featuring a pretty well-known name. His name is Cody Garbrandt. And if we're going to lose one fight from this card, from that division, wouldn't you think Cody Garbrandt versus Mario Batista would be the one to lose? Maybe you just give Cody his shot. Big name. Let Corey try to take out a former champion. And if somehow Cody Garbrandt beats Corey Sanhagen, all of a sudden, the man is back into title contention. So the stakes should be high be a great opportunity for Cody Garbrandt because I don't love his chances against Mario Batista from a stylistic perspective. But if he goes in there and just shocks Corey Sandhagen, that's not a bad spot for him to be in. So if I'm Cody Garbrandt, I'm getting on the horn with my manager and the UFC and saying, give me this fight. And I think this name would actually be okay to to be the replacement. Let Rob fight song on the fight because it's one of the exciting fights on the card. Garbrandt, Batista is interesting, but way better opportunity for Garbrandt here. And if that card lost Garbrandt Batista, it would sting a little bit to the hardcores, but it's not going to really hurt all that much, right? No, that's a really good idea. Um, I don't like Cody's chances. Um, 
But I don't know what to do with Cody Garbrandt anyway. Like the Trevin Jones fight just convinced me that he's all the way done. Um, even though he won that fight, like it, he really struggled <laughs> to win that fight. So I don't like his chances, but I think that's probably the best you can do in this circumstance if you are really committed to keeping Corey Sandhagen on this card. I think everything you said makes total sense. So if they're really committed to keeping Corey on this card, then yes. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm not Corey Sandhagen. I don't know what he's what he's got to do in, in places or whatever. But uh, I would say if he wants to hang around and wait for – I don't know how long Cejudo's out. It's like a shoulder issue, right, or whatever. So I don't know how long he's out missing the 292 thing, but maybe Corey can do that sort of or just see where the chips fall with some other things if he doesn't feel like taking that fight or if they can't get Cody to agree to it. But it's a good answer. Yeah, and a lot of people want to see Dominic Cruz step in, and I get that. That's all I want. I've wanted that fight for 10 years because they are the same. That is that is Sub-Zero versus Scorpion. They are just palette-swapped each other's, and I need to see them fight. I have to see it before it's done, even though Dominic at this point is probably going to get run over. Need to see it. I would love that to happen. I just don't know if Dominic takes that fight. I doubt he's going to take it on two weeks' notice. That seems like a lot. Is Dominic ever taking a short-notice fight? I know. I can't say on the top of my head because it feels like all of his fights were actually eight years of notice because he would take three years (laughs) off. Yeah, it was like – So maybe he did and I just can't recall it, but I mostly remember him – Ah, he hasn't fought in three and a half years. Yeah, it would have it would have to be back like WEC days or something like you took yeah. a, anything short notice. Um, I don't know, but I love San Hank. Could watch that dude fight all day. You're not alone, at, uh, Aster Lynn. <laughs> You're not alone. All right. Uh, what's Peter? What's Peter Yan doing? Run that one back. <laughs> hey, if you can go in two and a half weeks, I wouldn't hate that one. Dude, just just remove the weight cutting, so you can just go. Like, yeah, okay, well, fight fight at one forty or whatever. Uh, I was waiting for. I was I was wondering yeah. when this is coming. This, see, this is interesting right now. All right, because to to kind of lay out the land, if you're not if you if you guys just woke up and didn't see what happened last night, not only do we get the two ninety four announcements, not only do we find out yesterday that Umar is out of the Nashville main event with Sanhagen. Israel Adesanya jumped on social media and basically said, Drinkus Duplessis is not fighting in Sydney, which is not a huge shock. We hated this fight in the booking. He's running away. He's so afraid of me. So Izzy's basically saying, dude, I'm fighting on this card. DDP ain't fighting. Strickland, you're the next man up. So there you go. That's, That's one piece of this puzzle. The other piece, we found out that Hamza Shemaev is coming back. His fight is booked October 21st, fighting Paulo Costa. Both Costa and Ikram Alaskarov, both fighting on this card, no longer against one another. And now we have Hamza going to 185, Duplessis coming off the big win over Robert Whitaker. The post-fight stuff, the buzz behind this fight was huge. It seemed like somehow, some way, we're going to get this done for September 9th or September 10th, whenever this card's actually going to happen. And now we have Hamza coming back. So, Jed, this question is, if Hamza beats Costa, does that put him right behind Duplessis in terms of title contention? contention? And if so, isn't that just going to put Hamza on the shelf again? I will raise you another question here because this is not... Look, you mentioned DDP as leverage, and I think that's true in some respects. But Dana also, when he throws out a promise, he likes that promise to come true. 
And it doesn't appear like it's coming true here that DDP is going to turn around quickly and fight Israel Adesani. So let's just say Izzy fights Sean Strickland, goes out there and wins. And then Hamza Shemaev comes back at UFC 294 and just trucks Paulo Costa. Like this is take him down, beat the hell out of him. Whatever he did to Lee Jing Liang, he does the same thing to Paulo Costa. Is there any chance that Hamzat actually leaps over Drickus Duplessis here? Because Hamzat is one of the rising stars right now, and you you can make a very strong argument that a Izzy Hamzat fight would do better numbers than an Izzy Drickus Duplessis fight. So, what happens here if Izzy goes out there and just beats Sean Strickland like many expect him to do, but Hamzat just runs over Paulo Costa? Do you think that changes anything? To quote Marlo Stanfield, sounds like one of them good problems. Then you got multiple contenders for your champion. That's multiple bankable contenders for your champion. I don't think uh, anything Hamza does is going to bump him uh, over Duplessis because he didn't just knock out Robert Whitaker, which is uh, that's that's sort of just the trump card here. Like, yeah, if Duplessis was not fighting because he didn't take the Whitaker fight and he was injured or something, then yeah, absolutely. But no, he fought Whitaker, fought the fight that nobody thought he could do. And then he he did better than anyone could have even really imagined him him pulling off against the guy. I think he is just locked in. I think the build and the bank for this, they have the face off in the cage as cringy as it was at times. They have the clear vitriol between. Uh, I'll just say the vitriol between Izzy and Duplessis. DDP doesn't seem to have any vitriol for for Izzy. He just sort of doesn't like him. But Izzy is like extremely personal about this, so I don't. I don't care what Hamzat does in part because yeah, maybe he's on the shelf again. We've now seen pretty definitively that Hamzat can just go away for a while and people are stoked when he comes back. So you, he goes out there and rolls over Costa. You just sit him cage side for, he can weigh in as the backup for an inevitable DDP as he fight, uh, sit cage side and then they can do a face off from that. Whoever, whoever comes out of that winning. And all of this though, does presume that Izzy does fight, Sean Strickland and beat Sean Strickland and it would be real MMA and incredibly funny if Sean Strickland just <laughs> ruined all of this by somehow beating Izzy in Australia. That would just be, this would be one of the funniest years on record in MMA history if that happens. Wow. Are, are, you, are you predicting that? I'm not, but it would be really funny. It would make me really happy. Also, just so we're clear, like two weeks, three weeks ago, we were having the conversation of Charles Oliveira says he can't fight, and now Charles Oliveira is fighting. The only person who has said DDP isn't fighting in Australia is Izzy in a profanity-filled tirade on social media. That is not an announced fight. That could still totally happen, too. So we'll see. I was Doesn't about to say that. I was like, I don't you think, think, you think Izzy, this, this may be Izzy I actually said, trying to force DDP's hand a bit. I said from Jump Street that I didn't think DDP was going to make the turnaround because it was too fast. But I, we do not need to take what Izzy says as gospel because, one, he's misspoke and just been outright wrong before. So I would say don't, don't count all your chickens here. But, yeah, the likely outcome is we're going to get Sean Strickland, Izzy, in Australia. And that's going to be fine. a fight. Yeah, it's fine. fine. All right. The build will be just as weird and bizarre. 
So it'll just be a different kind of weird and bizarre. It's going to be really bad. <laughs> Someone needs to tell Izzy he needs to speak less. Just he's getting really into Tito territory of like he just talks a lot, and so some people think he's good at it, but every time he talks, it's it's pretty bad. The thing he called, like I'm not going to repeat it on air because you know YouTube. Oh, he's ever, doing, doing the, he's the doing name the he called thing. DDP oh, he's is doing just the main thing. I don't like it's, that. It's like I don't like that's that, Colby yeah. Covington corny, like the same Ludo, tier of Ludo, awful. Yeah, all that. Yeah, like just you can just be like justifiably angry that this man said you weren't African. Like that's legit. You could just carry that. You don't need to go into like bad third grade name calling like i think fighters certain fighters really have this idea that like i'm gonna be clever by turning that guy's name into something um disparaging and it's usually homophobic uh because that's mma for you when actually like i have never would could never once care if somebody says i don't know whatever you want to make out of my my poop or something dumb like that like but if you're just like Ken the poop, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, shit bird, I'm gonna f- you up in Australia. Like that's so much better than the dumb shit that they are. Just don't you. You're not clever, so don't be it. Like, you don't need to. You can just be justifiably angry, and it sells it so much better. It's my Jed talk right there for you. Just- Jed the poop. Thank you, thank, thank you, Jed the poop. <laughs> Honestly, sort of surprised I haven't been called that at some point in time. But I like I was just trying to think of my name. I was like, how do I do anything with it? I was like, I don't know. All right. Um, uh, Sticking of Costa real quick. This is a great question. Has Costa signed a new contract or is the Hamzad fight the last on his deal? Is it possible this is his last UFC fight? Uh, I think all of these options are in play. But if I had to guess, Jed, my guess would be yes on questions two and three. That he didn't sign a new deal. That- last on his deal on his last fight in the UFC. Yeah, I, I am assuming that he has not signed a new deal. If I'm Costa, why the hell would I? Like, Yeah. If I'm Costa and I signed a new deal, they wouldn't give me this fight. They would give me something else. But pretty clearly, like, the Alice Garrow fight was them just not doing him any favors whatsoever. If I'm him, like, sure, this is maybe a setup fight for you to lose. But also, if you win, then you have even more bargaining chips to go to PFL and be like, here's the price I will demand for my services. So I wouldn't sign one if I was him. Yeah, 100%. Uh. <laughs> ah yes juliana pena another memorable appearance on the mma hour i gotta say jed she was really good she was really good uh didn't, wa- didn't watch a second of it she oh. was good look the nunez slander and the whole i chased her out of the division is dumb like we i think we can all agree that there's she was afraid of me after beating yeah. my face in for 25 minutes that she that didn't want to break her hands anymore but the quick wit the heel persona about like literally anybody else she's asked about was really good i love the macy barber stuff i thought that was hilarious you know what do you think about macy she's like well have a protein shake and come up to 135 like all that was just was good stuff but 
I don't know, Jed. Where are you at with Juliana Pena? Take Amanda Nunes out of the equation, and I think I like her a lot more. Or at least I I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate the persona a little bit more without Amanda around when she's spouting off the nonsense about her. I appreciate the effort. I appreciate that she is actively trying to draw interest in some way, which there aren't any women's bandweights trying to draw interest in any way, realistically. Uh, I, it all is tough. Like, it's it's a really narrow window to hit to pull this off. You have to actually be good at fighting, and I have no idea if she is or not. She beat Amanda Nunes, so she doesn't suck at it. She also has no wins over anyone currently employed in the U- by the UFC. So, like, it's it it would all hit a lot better if she. That's the biggest issue, and you've seen this issue a lot with various fighters. It works when you can back up the things you are saying. And when you don't, if you're not part of the joke, then it really doesn't work. And I think that nobody ever understands that. Like, there's a lot of problems with what Chael said, like, morally. He said some pretty bad things at various points in time. But the key thing to his persona getting over is for a stretch, he was backing it up, and that's crucial. And then when he wasn't, he's part of the joke he it is a winking tongue-in-cheek acknowledgement of what i am saying oh i thought if i tapped out it just meant i lost the round not that i lost the fight and he's not going too hard into it so it is it is inclusive as opposed to line like defining the lines of here are my fans and here's everybody else because there aren't julian pena fans nobody gives a shit about julian pena colby covington is is doing the same thing and so it's i think that's where it's like a lot a lot of fighters miss. I can appreciate what Pena is trying to do. And sometimes it feels like she maybe does understand the joke. And that is key. But then a lot of times, like, if if she said that Amanda Nunes stuff and I was certain that she didn't believe it, I would it would be fine. But she says the Amanda Nunes stuff and I kind of think that she believes it because the way she carries herself. And so then it's like, you're actually just delusional and not like in a fun way, in a insane way that is makes it tough for me to cheer for you at all. So that's that's not just a her thing. That's most people trash talking in MMA. And like you'll no- to close out on this, like you notice with Connor his trash talk sucks now because his trash talk was largely good when he could back it up and then he can't back it up anymore. And so it's like I'll rip your head off to Habib who emasculated him in the cage, <laughs> who who beat him up so badly that he didn't use any energy and had plenty of it and try and fist fight Connor's whole team afterwards. Like you can't talk shit to somebody in those circumstances. It doesn't work unless it is a Chris Tucker esque. I know that what I am saying is ridiculous. And so that's where everybody sort of fails in MMA. Except Chael. He was really good at that part of it. (laughs) Casey, it seems like you were, you love Juliana Pena and everything she stands for and says. She you almost left the, the room when I was yeah, like, I'm, yeah. When she brought back the whole "I'm the real mom" thing, I was like, ah, oh, we're bringing, we're doing this again. I think when she she hit that point like ten times, like I'm the I'm I'm a real mom, like I'm the real mom champ. I'm the yeah. I was like, oh, that that kind of got me. But I get it. I am. It's working because I do want to see Julia Pena's next fight. And you know, oh wow, that's words I've never said. 
because of this, because of oh, I would I I for some reason I do want to see Macy Barber versus Julia Pena. Not for the title, but I kind of want to see it now. I don't know why. So I'm not saying you know I'm gonna you know it's Barber the Barber fight could I win see. that fight. Barber could win that fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Which middleweight <laughs> would bench press the most? I think Cannoneer. I don't know, man. That's I'm looking over the top 15 right now. The UFC's top say, 15, not the real top 15. I'd say Hamzat's probably up there. No, I don't know, man. Hamzat kind of has a bird chest. But he's just – he's just a giant dude. I mean, yes. Yeah, he No, but he's got that core wrestling strength though. Like that's all core. That's not – that's not Pex. Yeah, um, not I'm trying to think spread. who's – who – I'm trying to think of who – I mean I'm sure that Paulo Costa does well uh, on the bench reps. But I don't know that he's maxing out high. I was like who's, who's got the biggest beach muscles? I, think, I, think, I just think Hamza could plant those feet and just get it up there. Like I think like it doesn't dude, have to be he, he's not going to make himself – he's not going to embarrass himself, but got a little bit of a bird chest. I don't think Hamzat's the answer. I think he's got that functional – in the same way that like I don't think Habib was out there just throwing up record numbers in the AKA weight room, but everyone you talk to is like, actually, I, Luke Rockhold, feel that he, <laughs> he holds me as hard as Daniel Cormier does. So it's, it's that functional core strength. I'm trying to think who I'm a, let me, let me throw out a name. And I think, I think he's, this guy's probably up there. Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes is the actual correct answer. That's I trying, it. I was I trying to think of someone like Joaquin Buckley's physique, but like a true 85 or it was Phil Hawes. That's it. Yeah. Phil, like, Phil Hawes is actually exactly that person. <laughs> <laughs> what a question. What a question. <laughs> I have long, <laughs> long argued, and I'm speaking with uh, Peter Murray of the PFL later today. I have long argued that what I want more than many things in this sport that's achievable, I want a combine. I yes, want the you. UFC to say it's International Fight Week and we're doing all this stuff, but also on International Fight Week, we're going to have the MMA combine. We're going to have, we're going to bring in all the lightweights and whatever. We're going to fly them all in and we're going to, Put them through, rep the bench, run the 40, give me a vertical. I want to know the physical athletic stats on these people. It would enhance my viewing experience so much I cannot really put it into words. I would love to see Phil Hawes. Just, can he put 225 up 30 times? 
I could buy it. Like I could totally buy that. So just do that. Somebody do that. That's all I want. Would you have, would you do 225 as the standard or would you go lower? Would I don't you do know. Like 185? You probably don't do 225 because that's probably, but maybe you just scale it up for weight, for weight class, right? Like, you know, because that sort of, for, uh, you'd have to figure it out. You don't just take the NFL combine metrics because I don't know that we need a shuttle in, in the same way. The short shuttle probably isn't as important. Um, though it does, you know, measure explosiveness and things like that. Just, you could figure out what the categories you want for a combine are and what they look like. And some of them will test, you know, functional core strength and, uh, why not bench press? Bench press, deadlift, like squat. Give me your totals. Who's totally leading in the UFC right now? Probably not anybody because 2000 is a lot, but like give me give me the totals for everyone and be like, all right, well, Henry Cejudo squats 450 and benches 210 or whatever. Like I want to know. That's what I want. That's awesome. It would be the most electric viewing that I have in MMA <laughs> every year. I'd be like, guys, I know that most of y'all don't care, but I could not be more interested to see who is the best at bench in the UFC middleweight division. And the crazy part is like someone like Anderson Silva will come in probably last. I feel like in almost a lot of these things. Do, no, that's the thing. He do he do oh. bad in some of them, right? But some, like, sorry, not everything. I bet, but, you know, I bet his verticals like, great. The I explosive yeah. ones, the but quick you want to see, you want to, you see. can do yeah. like, you could do Agreed. the F sure. like you guys ever watch F one, um, and they like F one like uh, aside from the many other things, one of the things is, is critical is driver reaction time because yeah, like getting times. off the line, and so they do like a whole. You'll see them train do a whole bunch of things. One of them is the the light wall, and it's just a wall full of light like tap things and when the lights blink up you tap them and you try and go through as many as you can in 30 seconds like anderson would have done incredible at that versus other people so like put that one in because that actually like would be a super relevant thing to fighting like you'd find the right yeah. metrics that you want to measure well i think you do that i think you do like the bench and squat i think that'd be fun and then yeah like sandwich in between like those are just like i, I have workouts. to have a 40 you got to give me a 40 yeah I need and then the in like a couple crossfit isn't good. Couple yeah. And just do a couple crossfit competition yeah, couple workouts. Like I want I want verticals. Give me give me standing vertical. That's not a hard ask. Long jump, why not? Just give me the explosive metrics. We can figure out things and do them. I want to see them. The problem is how many Jamal Hill situations would you get? <laughs> Dude, it would be well, awesome. Just, it would yeah. totally jack up my perception of who's good at fighting. The same way the NFL prospects, I never, I never know the good ones. Cause I'm like, holy shit, that that 270 dude <laughs> just ran the shuttle in like under 11. It's like, oh my god, he just did a 4640. That man is 280. Like he's the greatest fighter that's ever lived. And then he sucks <laughs> because he's Greg Hardy or whatever. It would be incredible for my my content experience. My I think if everyone's on board of this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tweet at i if that tenzin you've nailed it if i get whenever people ask like what was the one thing you do if you got to be president of the ufc i my answer has always been like i'll just pay fighters more because i just pay them 50 percent and then solve that problem i don't even care about that anymore the fighters don't want that money because they're not fighting for it themselves if i got one rule i would replace tough with the combine it would be the best thing that ever happened i'd watch the combine show every week religiously i love it all right we're going to bring in 10 lightweights this week, do the 
combine metrics. Let's go. Hell yeah. <laughs> what is 41-year-old Jim Miller putting up on a 40? I need to know. I need to know. You guys yes. telling me you don't want to see Parker Porter try and hit a vertical? What's Parker Porter's vert? You guys don't want to know? Come on. Don't act like uh, what's the don't lie, what's don't the big what what's the record? Because whatever it is, add <laughs> ten inches to it. <laughs> uh, thank God we got some Parker Porter in here. All right. Uh, He's the best. He is. Future, Future Robin's going back? I had no idea. I had no I idea. No clue. Learning things. Cool. Yes, I'm pretty stoked. I, no I, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm pretty stoked about the uh, Justified miniseries that's on Hulu. I don't know if y'all watched Justified. That show kicked ass. I watched like a couple of, watched a couple episodes. FX usually does a really good job at producing programming. Uh, I just watched the final episode of Minds MC this morning, and that was uh, that was something. I yeah. fell off of that. I, but yeah. Didn't know Futurama was coming back. That's fun, though. It's a good show. Who is the most athletic person in the UFC? If we had a combine, we'd know. We would know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're just you're... set you up. Set you up. There you go. Yep. Just perfect. Dunked it right to the. Uh, I answered if this you had question right once now. for history. If I had to guess right now, um, it's a really good question. I answered this question once on hot tweets for uh, historical purposes. Uh, I was like, who are the greatest athletes ever? And my like, I think that there's three pretty clear ones. And then the rest like that, that elevate above. And it was uh, Kevin Random and Joel Romero and Brock Lesnar. I think all three of those are among the most athletic human beings who have ever lived full stop. So you put them in the cage. They're the best at that current. UFC fighters. Volkanovski. I'm trying to think here. He's a good athlete. I don't know if he's like that tier, but he's a really good athlete. Yeah. Um, she used to be easy because like Tyron Woodley was there for a while, and he was probably the best athlete in the UFC for a long stretch. Um, I'm trying to go through the rankings and see who's jumping out at me. Some as people like, are mentioning Surogan, maybe. Surogan's a good athlete. As, I don't as far as a heavyweight, I think, yeah. I think heavyweight athlete, yeah. I uh, mean, John Jones is probably more athletic than Surogan. <laughs> and, like, yeah. that's just one of the things that I harp on all the time is, like, John Jones is probably one of the most athletic people that have ever competed in MMA. And this is – I, I don't have any issue saying that. And so he's probably the correct answer. I think it's incredibly important for people to recognize that John Jones is the least athletic member of his family. And like, that's, so when I say things like MMA could be better, it's like, think about if everybody competing was John Jones at the worst, instead of the best people we have are John Jones. Like the sport could get so much better if that, that level of investment, but like, look at John Jones with his brothers. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you are not nearly the athlete that Chandler Jones is or whatever. Like, it's, it's pretty, and it, it, like that's it feels to me armchair psychology right but like that feels pretty indicative of why john is the person he is like he grew up as the least athletic person and he's incredibly athletic it's like and yet he goes home for thanksgiving and he is the runt because his brothers are un unbelievable other world athletes i think john is going to be my answer i think that's a pretty good one yeah i'm with you 
Jilton Almeida is probably up there. Jilton Almeida, very good athlete. I'm trying to avoid heavyweights though, because you know, yeah. that's just. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so, trying to think. I mean, Cejudo. Cejudo's got to be up there. So Cejudo is, but Cejudo's older. So that's that's docking some points because, like, pro, I mean, Peak yeah. Cejudo is was very high on the list, but he's definitely Sterling. Aljo. Sterling's a pretty good one. Oh, I, I I almost wonder what prime uh, UFC Demetrius Johnson. Ilya pretty athletic. I mean, he was unbel- He would have done unbelievably well at the combine. Yeah, like just I mean, not like raw <laughs> scores because you're comparing, but like you for a size, you do a yeah. you prorate his scores out, he would have done unbelievably well. Yeah. All right. Um, who else? I'm gonna keep looking at this list yeah. while we move on to other questions. <laughs> All right. Robert Whitaker is very athletic. Buckley. Buckley is kind of Buckley is very good athlete though. Maybe someone like Yair. I wonder if someone like Yair. Yair's interesting. He's not a bad athlete. I don't know if he's yeah. that level. I was thinking Ilya because Ilya is a pretty good athlete. Um, so there's a lot. Yeah. Like Cheeto is like also a really good athlete. No one just yeah. recognizes that part of his game. All right. Yair would Yair. I wouldn't put as like the best athlete, oh, but oh, he would be, I actually have be great my at everything. What is it? I have my answer. It's really dumb that I did this didn't immediately. I think it's Wally Zhang. I think Wally Zhang is compared to peers, the best athlete. I think she's a far better athlete than anybody else competing in women's mixed martial arts at the moment. Yeah, I think Tatiana right. Suarez is probably up there too. Could, could be very, very much could be, but like Shevchenko had it for a while. She's old. So like, that's like, she was half of Shevchenko's title run was just simply being <laughs> way more physically imposing than anyone she faced. Wiley Zhang is like that. I I think Wiley Zhang is probably comparatively the the best athlete in the sport right now. It's a great pick. Uh, Jed, are you placing any bets on the September 16th main event between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko? I haven't looked at the odds. I mean, I will be. I haven't looked at the odds. Um, But yeah, I don't learn lessons. Who who learns things? Just keep (laughs) Keep firing, baby. Shoot from the hip forever. Uh, do I have odds? Let's try and see. I've got minus right 230 now. for Shevchenko. DraftKings yep. has Shevchenko minus 230, Grasso plus 195. I mean, you should bet Grasso. That's, that feels – I'm not saying Grasso should be the favorite. I don't know that it should – Shevchenko should be that big a favorite. Um, I mean, I'm definitely going to bet on it. I'll probably bet Shevchenko by decision where that prop comes down at. Because Grasso's real tough. I don't think Shevchenko's getting her out of there if she wins. But I'm still begrudgingly choosing Shevchenko, even though historical precedent says that that's real dumb. Right. I'm going to die on my hill. That's where I'm going to be. That's my hill. I'm going right. to die right on it. Uh, has the decline of Robert Whitaker begun, or did he just have an off night against DDP, Jed? Well, we're not going to know the answer to that for some time. Um, just because you can't say it. I did sort of wonder that on the night, right? Um, I guarantee you somebody in the comments has already been like, Robert Whitaker's only 32. This is a very dumb question. Uh, age and decline are not necessarily correlated. Like they probably, they're related in some ways, but 
peaks hit it different. I feel like I've had this argument a thousand times with Jose Aldo recently of like, <laughs> Jose Aldo lost to Alexander Volkanovski and Max. Like, okay, but we can just look at the numbers and say, oh, he was 32. He was very clearly in his prime. Or we can use our eyeballs and be like, oh, yeah, he just didn't move in the same way that he did previously because fighting wears on your body differently. It, it all takes its toll in different ways, not even fights. Training for X amount of years is very, very difficult. I think there is absolutely an argument that Robert Whitaker is on the decline. He started, he began his professional career in 2009. That's 14 years in, and that is pretty much the mark. 12, 12 years is around where you really start to see most people taper off um, historically, if you kind of look at it. There are outliers always. I think Max has been doing it for a little while, and I would argue pretty uh, vehemently that Max is not in his prime anymore, just that his post-prime is is still very, very good, and a lot of fighters do that. Anderson Silva, when do you think – Anderson Silva is always the answer I go to because like it's easy to draw the line of Anderson Silva's prime ended when Chris Weidman hit him in the face and he fell over. I would really argue that Anderson Silva's prime ended at like Damian Maya. Like that was probably like the last that he was really in his physical peak and uh, all of his skills worked in the same way. And then the rest of it, the, the Chael fight, like the Chael rematch and stuff, all, all of that sort of post-prime. And he was just so damn good that his post-prime was still better than the people he was facing. But like it's ages and everything. I think Whitaker is probably not in his prime anymore. I think you could maybe even make an argument that he's not in his prime after he fought Yoel Romero the second time because he took a hellacious beating uh, in in those that 50 minutes of fighting Yoel. You hear him talk about fighting Yoel, and it's the type of shit that makes me never want to fist fight professionally, right? Like the way he's talked about Yoel is like – because I just uh, – this quote has stuck with me. It was when Izzy was coming up and uh, Whitaker was still the champ and he was like, I, I want to see Izzy fight Yoel because he's talking all this game. Fight that dude. You don't know what it's like to to hit that man. It felt like I was punching and kicking steel. It just felt different. And when you hear somebody talk like that, that is not usually the, hey, I just fist fought an iron block for 50 minutes, and now I'm going to be so much better because this isn't a martial arts movie. Like, oh, that takes something out of you. I think you could probably make an argument that Whitaker's prime ended with the OL second fight and that he's just been in post-prime since then where he's still very, very good, but he has lost something. So it will only know at the end of his career. Like maybe this was just an off night. Maybe DDP is just really damn good and everybody is still underestimating him. Time's going to tell us. Yep. All right. Take one or two more and then we'll get out of here. Uh, would love to know why Aldo nearly abandoned leg kicks during the last few years of his career. I would argue that it's probably because he wasn't in his prime anymore because kicking people sucks. Have you ever kicked kicked people? It's really, really (laughs) shitty, man. And and let me tell you, I don't kick people as hard as Jose Aldo kicks people. I can only imagine that it was way shittier for him to kick people than it was for me to kick people, you know, like it's my, my answer to questions like this is always they got old because I think that's always just the right answer. Like, 
Jose Aldo's not an idiot. He's one of the greatest fighters who has ever lived. He knows what his good weapons are. He knows that kicking against Max Holloway is actually an incredibly effective strategy. And he didn't do it. And it's the same when you hear fighters talk about various parts of their game. They're like, one of the big things that you'll hear as fighters get older is, I saw it. I saw what I wanted to do, and I, I couldn't pull the trigger anymore. I just didn't have the same reactions, the same thing. And there, the fastball goes away. You just can't do the same things. And so kicking, maybe Jose's out there and he wants to kick, and he can't pull the trigger quick enough, and then the the stance is shifted, and so it's not an opportune time anymore. My answer is always if, if you see a fighter start to strip their game down to bare parts like you saw with Jose, they're getting old, and they are going to – the the most efficient tactics that they have and the ones that they can rely on the best because their body is not complying anymore. And he's been doing this for a long time and kicking like kicking people Sucks. hurts. People think yeah it's fun to kick people but it hurts you just as much. Like yeah. So we don't It yeah, is don't only know, like- fun to kick people if they if you are like soccer kicking the guts, not even the ribs, because the ribs still kind of suck. But if you get to soccer kick the like soft tissue, right, then it's fine. Don't, don't, yeah, you don't everything hit the hip, else, you don't you're hit the hitting bone. Yeah, everything else, you are hitting bone with your bone. It has no protection on it. It is awful. It's <laughs> just because you train. Um, if there's one thing that fans need to understand, how much it hurts. I feel like getting your getting your kick checked. It's something fans, sure. if you've never experienced a hard ch- kick, chest is it, kick, it, is, is, it makes you never want to throw a kick again. Look, if you get your chest kicked, if you want to know what it's like, uh, do you ever ride a scooter and do you ever hit yourself in the shin with your scooter? It's like that, only way, way worse. Like it's way, way worse because instead of accidentally hitting yourself in the shin, you are intentionally, intentionally. whacking your shin against a scooter functionally. It's awful. <laughs> Kicking blows, man. <laughs> All, right. All right. One more. Last one. one. More. Last one. Let me, find, oh, let me find a good one. Let me find a good one. Uh, let me find a good one. I don't want to talk about Strickland. Uh... All right, this is a fun one, just a, a futures one. Man, Pro Fights Info has gotten like yeah. 13 questions. He's good. Uh, who will be champion one year from now that isn't a champion now? Aaron Blanchfield, to me, is one. Easy, easiest answer in the sport. I would bet all of the money on that one. If I had to bet my life on one, it is Aaron Blanchfield. Who will be the, ban- who will be the women's bantamweight champion one year from now? Jesus one year God. from now, um, look, a- I'm I'm going to choose to live this dream, Valentina Shevchenko. <laughs> oh, if if she Ronda wins or Rousey. loses against Grasso, like if she wins or loses against Grasso, maybe she has to run it back for a third with Grasso, and then if I'm Val and I have reclaimed the belt and I beat Grasso, and I know I'm getting older, and I know I just finally got caught, and even though I avenged it, I might look around and say. Amanda took the exit. I was probably a smart idea. I'm getting older, and Aaron Blanchfield is just gonna suck to fight. I don't. I don't want to fight her. That sounds miserable. 
I'm going to go up to Bantamweight and whether it's Raquel Pennington or Juliana Pena or my boy Silva, whoever it is, I would say that Valentina Shevchenko has an exceedingly good opportunity to beat any woman at women's Bantamweight right now in a fist fight. So she might as well go up, get the belt that eluded her while Amanda was there and maybe hang it up as a two division champion. And, you know, in, in that status of her life. And if she loses to Grasso, she should definitely go up because why the hell not? So Valentina Shevchenko will be my answer. I'll say Meyer Buena Silva. Don't hate it. She's she's looked real good at Bantamweight. I would say Marab. I would say Marab De Wallace Willie will probably be a champion one year from now. I would believe he. I'd be pretty confident in Marab being the Bantamweight champion within a year. Let's see any others. Yuri. Um, Yuri, I think is a good one. And Yuri, I, I can't because a year from now is so long. Like, you could run, like, maybe he has to fight Uncle Ive in that time. And I don't, I, I think that's a pretty tough fight for Yuri. So, you, um, so you're saying Ankalaev? Oh, yeah. But I, I also don't, I wouldn't be confident. Just I don't know if Ankalaev is going to get the chance. And like, I thought that Ankalaev probably should have beaten Jan Blahovich, if I recall. Maybe I scored that fight a draw. Um, I've just kind of thought he's the best of the light heavyweight choices in general. So yes, but I have no idea where he's at in the title conversation. He's going to have to fight somebody uh, else first. He's going to have to fight like Johnny Walker and have like a great performance. feel pretty decent about Shavkat's chances of getting the belt mm. within a year. Mm, um, timing is like, going to be rough though. Timing is going to be rough. In a full year? Well, Leon's, like you Leon, said, Leon's fighting Leon, in November, so that's what I feel. But what if Colby wins? You think Colby's going to fight freaking Shafkat? With I don't believe Colby's winning. I think that might be where we're where different. I believe I mean, he does, though. There's a chance he wins, but you think he's going to sit there and eight months later fight Shafkat? I don't know. I don't know who. I don't. I think there's a chance that if Colby wins, the UFC strips him because Colby will not <laughs> accept a fight with any. Who would who would Colby fight? Yeah, who would he fight if he won? He's only going to try and fight Connor because he's not going to fight. You think he's going to fight Bilal? No chance he accepts the fight. He doesn't want to fight Bilal. That's such a waste of him. So he'll just it's going to be Shavkat Bilal. He's going to be like, I will only fight Connor, and they'll be like, Cool, we're taking your belt from you. They've done it before. They'll do it again. They could. It's possible. Who's the, is Islam still a lightweight champion a year from now? I would say yes. Um, but I think he's probably getting close to the Jansen Almeida in a year from now. No, Jansen Almeida um, be the heavyweight champion a year from now. No, I, I, I think he, I think he is. John, oh, I think John, John's think gonna John Jones retires. You think? You think no, I don't think he retires. And I think he vacates the belt until something big comes his way. I and still think John's gonna fight again, or maybe. or Sergey, or or big big Surge gets it done. I'm done betting against Sergey. The man just kills people. <laughs> He's like a heavyweight Alex Pereira. <laughs> I'm done betting against him. So, uh, I mean, they're Volkanovski. Is Volkanovski still the featherweight champion a year from now? No. You think it's Ilya? I think Ilya has a good chance. I think the my answer for this is not, and everyone's like, Judge, just a Volcator. I've made this argument a thousand times, and it's still the same true argument. It's really, really hard to 
be a champion for five years. Like it's it's incredibly hard to be a champion for five years. Volk is already an unprecedented in being thirty. He's about to turn thirty-five, and that will make him. He is currently the second oldest champion sub welterweight in UFC history. He will very quickly pass that. That's just uncharted territory. He's a great athlete, tremendous fighter. It it doesn't take much. You fall off by one percent, and that's it because okay. fighters have a decade worth of tape on you and Valentina Shevchenko is the best example of this. Alexa Grasso said afterwards, we watched tape. We have seen her propensity to throw this kick. We knew an opportunity would open when she threw a spinning kick for us to jump the back and execute. That's it. It wasn't a huge fuck up or anything like that. It was a, Hey, here's a tactical choice. She makes here's our counter to this. And the fight is over. Just small margins. I feel like over too long a time. I feel like men's flyway is going to be a hot potato. Yeah, it's just going to keep changing. Sure. Last here, what about Israel Adesanya, Jed? Well, Israel, whether he loses it in a fight or he vacates and moves up to two hundred five, will Israel Adesanya be the middleweight champion one year from now? I think I'm taking DDP in the fight. I think I'm talking myself into DDP when he does finally fight Izzy. And straight up, if he fights Hamzat, if Hamzat does roll through Costa, I. I'm a I'm a take Hamzat, so no, I will say as he will not be. All right, and I could look like a real idiot on that one. Like, is he's a great fighter, all time great fighter? But I'm gonna say no in a year because it's just really hard <laughs> to be yeah. champion for more than a year. I mean, it's really hard to be champion at all. At all, <laughs> it's incredibly difficult to be champion for four years. Like, no one does it. So, and that is why, personally. Demetrius Johnson is my goat of MMA. I think Demetrius Johnson has an exceptional argument yeah. for being. I, I get the other goat. ones. I get Jones. I get all the ones. But for me, because because of what you said right there, Jed, the, all the tape on Demetrius Johnson, he still did it constantly and, and still doing it. So I have I have uh, John GSP, Fedor, DJ Aldo, and Anderson. Like that's six. You pick any of those, I don't have an issue with them. Yep, me neither. All right. I think we're good, sir. I think we're good. Fun show. Thank you for all the tremendous questions. It's going to be a very interesting couple weeks on this show. Uh, Obviously, next week we'll react to UFC London. We didn't get a single question about UFC London, but we'll have a preview show tomorrow. (laughs) I can't believe that. We did get ready actually. for that, uh, and, and we, then we, next we, week's we show. We got one. Actually, we get, we did get one. We didn't talk about it. Um, we we can real quick. I, th- I figure we're gonna talk about it in the preview show, but we did get one on uh, Shauna Bannon. But I have no that. idea. I'll defer to Mike on this one. Yeah, <laughs> I also have no idea. She could. I think cool. she's. I think she's going to win. I have no idea about her star potential. Uh, she's a star, yeah. but not. Sh- yeah, yeah. But I don't think she's a title contender, but yeah. She's got a winnable fight. She's got a win a fight she could win. So she that's has always a very good. winnable fight. So we'll see what she does. It'll be like a cool moment if she does, because that place is going to go bananas for her. So yeah, we'll see what happens. It's, I just she's neither have a ton of experience, so it's hard to gauge where they're going to be. Uh, Bruno Brazil's first UFC fight was not. We didn't learn a whole lot in that fight, so we'll see. We'll see. Maybe some fighters can handle the stage very, very well, and some can't. So we'll have a better gauge on where Shauna Bannon goes 
after Saturday. But uh, next week's show will be a lot of fun. We'll recap that. We'll we'll talk about Sean and Bannon, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get ready for UFC 291, ladies and gentlemen. UFC back in Salt Lake City, BMF title fight. We got Bohovich versus Pereira. We got Wonderboy Pereira. We got Green Ferguson. We have Derek Lewis, Marcos Ruggiero de Lima, and Altitude. All sorts of fun stuff going down for UFC 291. So we'll talk about that. And then the following week, kind of up in the air what we're going to do, but it's going to be fun because we'll be getting ready for UFC Nashville. We'll be getting ready for Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz. I'll actually be in Dallas that week, so we'll try to figure out. Maybe we'll do something while we're there. Maybe just everybody in the same room. We haven't done that before, so we'll figure that out. But Casey, you can hit the music. Next week, we'll be back, and we'll get you ready and prime you up for UFC 291. I know everyone's excited about that, so dance away thank you very much for the wonderful questions and for tuning into the program for casey for jed i am mike tech back next week between the links good night everybody love y'all in between the links and another fighting production on the vox media network The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.